Hey, Brad, remember last podcast when I said I want to do a really great skit soon? Something we could really be proud of? Something that would even one day maybe win an award? Yeah, of course I remember that, Spearsy. Did you, did you come up with something? No, nothing. So I, I borrowed. I, I improvised. You, you tweaked? I stole. Are you ready? Oh, okay, let's get it over with. And action. Hey, Whitey, where's your hat? What? What? Am I Whitey? What the hell is going on here? What, did we start? Let's go while we're young. Oh, I get it. We're doing a Caddyshack parody. This is totally original. Hang on, hang on. I got the next line. Do you mind, sir? I'm trying to podcast. I bet you a slice into the woods, a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Stuck in the 80s, sir, and I never slice. Okay, you can owe me. I owe you nothing. Really? Not even a new promo code for the 80s cruise? Oh! Way to hit that awkward transition right past the green, Spearsy. Nobody saw that coming. <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you using a laugh track on this skit? I sure am. Best way to distract people. Anyway, here's the big news. There's a new promo code for Stuck in 80s fans for the 80s cruise. Use the promo code SIT80S when you book a veranda stateroom or hire at the first time guest price. And the first two people in the cabin receive a free classic beverage package. Free booze. Woo. A value of $409. I don't know why they say 409 Why did they say 410 rounded up? For nine times. Nine. $409. The promo ends August 15th, 2018. So head on over to www.the80scruise.com to book. If you have any questions about the cruise, just email me or Spearsy. We'll be on the ship along with our guest hosts, Jen with one N and Just True. And we'll be hosting big 80s trivia and live podcasts that you can attend and participate in. And don't forget the music. The cruise includes performances by Kenny Loggins, Sheila E., Berlin, Starship, OMD, The Fix, The English Beat, Grandmaster Flash, and more. We set sail March 2nd on the Celebrity Infinity out of Fort Lauderdale. Okay, Brad, what sort of comedy backdrop do you want me to play while you read all the legal disclaimers? Steve, can you give me the intermission music from Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Done. Excellent. Prices are per person and based on double occupancy. All prices include port charges, taxes, and gratuities, and all performances, interviews, parties, and events presented on the cruise. Offers are for new reservations only, are non-commissionable, and cannot be combined with other offers. All done? Let's start the show now. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. Uh-huh. And the technology. Are you telling me you built a time machine? What about DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in LA. And today we're here with a special guest to honor three metal albums turning 30 this year. Metal 
Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and the CLNS Media mobile app. And don't forget to listen to our show on the CLNS Media website. You can find it at clnsmedia.com. And as always, if you love our show, share the links on social media. And don't forget to like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Hey, don't get me wrong, all right? I like to rock and roll all night. Part of every day. Party every day. Rock and roll all night and party every day. I like to rock and roll part of every day. Party every day. I usually party. have errands. I can, I can rock and roll from like one party. to three. Steve, joining us this week, the metalhead in the middle of the country, it's Dave Dirt. How you doing? Actually, uh, in honor of your sometime co-host, I'm going by Dave with one umlaut. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this rolls off the tongue. I just have, it's so edgy. Yeah, I just haven't figured out where to put the umlaut yeah, yet. So, the V. I have some suggestions, but I don't think you'd find them very comfortable. <laughs> you don't want to have to use the bleep button too early in the show. Oh, I, I feel it coming early and often in this show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so here's the deal. Here, so I, I don't know how many years it's been. Somewhere in the fairly distant but still recent history of Sucking the 80s, we conceded publicly that Brad and I have zero uh, knowledge um, or proper appreciation of metal, for lack of a better term. And we solicited <laughs> um, uh, our listeners to come up with someone who could properly represent the genre and yes. uh, sprung like a flower in the desert, and his name was Dave Dirt. That it was. Genre sounds so classy <laughs> yeah. for metal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so we did a show, and I don't know how many years ago it was. It was several. It was 2015. 2015? Was it yeah, that long? I just wow. looked it up. Wow. May 2015. What episode number? <laughs> episode 338. 38. Wow. That's incredible. But we wanted to bring back Dave because... 1988 was a big year for metal albums. And so Dave is here to present to us three albums from 1988 that deserve the stuck in the eighties treatment. And by that, I mean lots of profanity. Buses <laughs> rolling over them. Yes. The usual. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to do that. We also have uh, we have full seggies today. We've got the return of reader mailbag and uh, name that eighties tune, uh, mystical movie moments in magic land history. And uh, we have a, a nice little dessert serving of 80s Obsession. So let's get started. Dave, what is the first album from 1988 that you want to honor today? Well, I'll tell you what. It, uh, whenever you first came to me with this, I said, yeah, no problem. I can pick out three albums, no problem. Then I got to look at the list. Holy crap, there were a lot of albums yeah. that came out in 1988. You had Bon Jovi, New Jersey, Queensryche's uh, Operation Mind Crime, Judas Priest, Living Color, Winger. Uh, all had albums coming out, but I decided to uh, go with the things that were most influential in me for the most part. 1988 was also a huge year for uh, bands who had become known as the big four of thrash metal. We had a Slayer that came out with South of Heaven. Anthrax had State of Euphoria. Megadeth had So Far, So Good, So What? But the one I want to talk today <laughs> about. Yeah. yeah, you like that? <laughs> I do. The one I want to talk about today, though, is Metallica and Justice for All. Metallica had been going up and down, just a total roller coaster the last couple of years before this album. They uh, they were 
getting hugely popular due to their previous album, Master Puppets. Uh, then when they were on tour in Europe, their bass player, Cliff Burton, was killed in a bus accident. Oh, no. And they found Ooh, him. Geez. Yeah, I mean, it was just nasty. And they just didn't know if they were going to be able to go on after that. But uh, they yeah. treaded on. They found a new bass player, Jason Newstead, from the band uh, Flotsam and Jetsam. Recorded some covers with him, just kind of try him out. And they started off on the uh, European leg of the uh, huge Monsters of Rock tour with uh, Kingdom Come, Dokken, Scorpions, and Van Halen. I wanted to go to that so badly. I was up in <laughs> Kansas City, and I just could not talk to folks into let me go. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know that one. Then they topped the whole thing off with James Hetfield, the uh, you know singer and rhythm guitarist from Metallica, breaking his arm skateboarding. Oh, like no. a champ. <laughs> so, well, like you you got to put it out there, you know. So ups and downs. and so, But they finally got in and started recording this album, And Justice for All. It was a, a big album for them. I mean, it's what really broke them into the mainstream. It was a very okay. prog-leaning on this album, even more so than the last couple of albums. A lot of their songs were, you know, eight, ten minutes long. And a lot yeah, of I noticed time- that. Yeah, a lot of time changes, different riffs, everything. They just wanted to go as far as they could with the whole prog thing. The uh, album mostly was kind of known for its lack of bass. It was kind of a strange thing. They really honestly weren't over the death of their bass player. They were just kind of almost hazing Jason Newstead. And so literally when when it came time to mix it, Lars Ulrich, the drummer, who was just kind of the de facto leader of the band told uh, the mixer steve thompson said uh see that bass guitar i just want you to kill it bring it down where you can oh. barely hear it then take out five more decibels <laughs> oh my god what a dick yeah yeah a little, little bit a little bit that's funny because you had, i saw that in the notes and i went and listened to it i'm like yeah i hadn't really thought about it in those terms but once you when you get that information it's like all you hear is that there's nothing at the bottom the interesting thing was i mean last probably about the last five or six years, there have been a couple of different versions going around. People have either re-recorded the bass tracks or just remastered the originals the best Mm. they could and brought the bass back. And some of it sounds just absolutely fantastic and really changes the sound. And it's a shame that it was taken out in the first place. Let me ask you this. Is is that same bass player still with the band today? No, he left after, gosh, it's been a good 15 years or so since he's okay. left. He Can't stayed really with them all through the 90s and all through their huge heyday, honestly. But uh, yeah. wow. And uh, Rob Trujillo, actually, from Suicidal Tendencies, is actually okay. with them. and has been for the longest time, actually. Oh, wow. Huh. That's, that's funny you say that because the next song you're going to play, which I know is a, a deeper cut from the album, is called Blackened. And when yes. I listened to this song for the first time, it's amazing to me how Blackened and then the punk rock tunes of that era of the late 80s are so like eerily similar. And really the only thing that to me like differentiates them are the lyrics and the vocals. Listen to a few measures of Blackened here and tell me I'm not right. Am I right? Am I wrong? Uh, I think you're right. I'm wrong. It's a, well, it's a, I hear more stuff just because I'm more familiar with it. But 
I, I love them. I'm more of a musical guy. I don't even listen to lyrics most of the time, which drove my mom absolutely nuts back then. She's like, what the hell are they saying? I'm like, <laughs> who cares? I don't have any clue. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the machine gun drumming, though. I mean, that, that to me is just such a rush. Yeah, he was one of my heroes growing up, being a drummer myself. And it wasn't until I got to listening to a lot more drummers you know, throughout my life that I realized that he really honestly wasn't that great. But he, he was I don't know. It's it's hard for me to explain. He was good, but there are many more better out there. That he had to kind of had the Beatles thing going on, where they was like, uh, Lars isn't even the best drummer in Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, but everybody knew his name. That's true. Yes, they do. Cool. The song that really gave them their first foothold in the mainstream, though, was a song called One, which was inspired by the uh, 1938 anti-war book Johnny Got His Gun by Dalton Trumbo. And it was about a soldier who lost his arms, legs, ears, eyes, and mouth after being hit by an artillery shell, but his mind is completely intact. Dang. Pretty Jeez, deep stuff yeah. for, a, for a metal band. Way to bring it down. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> party time! Before that, they had never really done any videos. They were very staunchly anti-video, but they ended up making one for that, and it just got wide play on MTV and just introduce them to a huge audience. Interesting. So do you think the fact that they very rarely made videos that that kind of helped draw, like that drew the fans to MTV? Because they're like, hey, now there's a Metallica video. There's something for us to watch on MTV. Uh, yeah, possibly. And I mean, right around that time, they were starting to have a Headbangers Ball on there. So that's, you know, they were showing long blocks of nothing but metal. Yeah. Because I never really thought that MTV was like, until, like you say, until Headbangers Ball came around, I don't really think that MTV was much of a metal place. No, is, not really. It was just probably it, why it was they the came latter part of the decade. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was 86 or 87 before they even had that. Well, the next band we're going to talk about here, though, definitely got a lot of fans through MTV. Dave, what's your next album in the list of albums turning 30 from 1988? My next album, one of my favorites from the man, Ozzy Osbourne's No Rest for the Wicked. You can't tell me that Ozzy Osbourne didn't use MTV. He used MTV. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> they, they made room for him. He had some great... Yeah. A bit. Well, and this song in particular, Miracle Man, I mean, it's got a great video. I always love the fact that he just came out swinging against uh, <laughs> his good old buddy, Jimmy Swaggart. <laughs> Jimmy had been going after him for years, trying to bring him down. And then all of a sudden, uh, oh, wait, he was with a prostitute? What? <laughs> <laughs> your own house in order there, Mr. Schwaggert. <laughs> exactly. Ozzy had a freaking field day with that. Karma is a bitch. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? This album in general had a lot of great songs on it. And, um, this It came a couple years after he parted ways with uh, his guitarist, Jakey e. Lee, who had been on with uh, uh, The Ultimate Sin and Bark at the Moon. Um in his self-described fat housewife phase of fashion. It was hilarious. <laughs> Just check out the pictures. He was not wrong. He looked like an old fat housewife. <laughs> was this the guitarist that replaced uh, Randy Rhode? Yes. Yes. Randy Rhodes was uh, his first real guitarist. And then after he's passed, 
he looked around and found Jakey e. Lee. And they just never kind of said he never really connected with Jake, although they did some brilliant work together. It's not he really doesn't even talk about that era very much. Mm. But then, then he found this kid. Uh, I think he was 19 years old when he came in named Zach Wild, 19 or 20, something like that. But so, Zach Wild just came in and just breathed new life into Ozzy. So Jake was the rebound guitarist for Ozzy, basically. Right. And then he dumped the rebound and got with someone who was with him for a lot longer. Trophy wife. <laughs> yeah. Del- yes. Delightful. The trophy guitarist. Actually, man, he could play. Oh, yeah. Zach was amazing. Still is. And uh, yeah, he's back with Ozzy now doing, I guess, another farewell tour. I don't know how many of this co- have you, counts. Have you ever has, seen but... Have you seen Ozzy perform live yet? <laughs> I saw Ozzy back in '92 on the first No More Tours tour. And... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just waiting for someone to do an "I've Got Bills to Pay" tour. Like, just put it out there. You know, <laughs> it's fine. We get it. We have bills too. Yes. So many tours these days. Does he still play many songs off this album? I'm sure he probably does play at least a few off this album. Uh, Crazy Babies was always a big one. Uh, I don't know if he plays what was my favorite song off the album, though. It's Fire in the Sky. It's probably the closest thing to a ballad on the, the album. Just slow, haunting acoustic verses and just some huge, thick guitars on the chorus. I just I love this song. You know, at the beginning of the show, I said that there's some albums here that Brad and I had never heard of and never listened to. But I was wrong, because third on the list is an album that I think pretty much every 80s fan knows. But I don't think we realized it was turning 30 years old this this year. Dave, give us the last in your pick of uh, albums to appreciate that are turning 30. Uh, another one that I just cannot believe. I'm hearing this crap on oldies radio and <laughs> have been for years, and that just scares the crap out of me. <laughs> but it is Poisons. Open up and say, ah. Poison. They seem to be one of those few bands that haven't really depreciated it over time. And and obviously, you know, Brett Michaels was a guest on our show several years ago. So mm-hmm. and it couldn't have been a nicer guy. So I've I got no bone to pick with these boys. I guess they went through a little bit of a lull during the mid nineties, but just came right back and just like kind of almost jump started the the whole eighties nostalgia thing. And um, they've been just going strong ever since then. Yeah. Aren't they the band that we see playing at Winterfest in Hot Tub Time Machine. Holy Winterfest 86. We were here, man. Oh, wait. I think you're right. Are they really? I saw that I once a long time ago. And I was really- What's wrong with you, dude? You need to go watch that again. <laughs> they, used, they used, I think, like, it, it was it's really cleverly done because they're using video of them clearly from very early in their career. But they've obviously somehow, right. you know, through the magic of technology, have, have are making, making technology. it look... As though, uh, you know, that John Cusack is watching him live, but, you know, obviously not. So tell us more <laughs> about this album. Well, this album was originally called Swallow This One. <laughs> it was uh, immediately met by... <laughs> yeah. Uh, nice. Uh, uh, guys, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
And even more, it was met by some more controversy because a lot of record chains, especially like your know, Walmarts and things like that, spurred on by everybody's favorite busybodies, the PMRC, mm-hmm. would not sell it because of its cover art which depicted a female devil with a large phallic tongue. I, I remember not seeing it anywhere in Southwest Missouri and <laughs> Northwest Arkansas yeah. growing up. The only reason I even knew it had another cover is because I saw it in like Hit Parader or Circus or something like that. And I never really thought it was that bad of a cover, but you know, right. then again, I was a metalhead. They covered up the, the girl other than her eyes and it's just started selling like hotcakes though. Yeah. I mean, this, this is a huge album. I mean, I've, you know, oh, it, I, I have it, no wow. metal. I have no metal in my entire body, you know, but I know like half of the songs on this album when I went to pull, I'm like, oh, that's on this album. Oh, that's on this album. Oh, exactly. So it obviously yeah, made it to the end of the consciousness. And they released nothing but a good time first. And, um, you know, like you said, you spoke to him a few years ago and that man is just he's a born marketer. He, he, he wrote this because he said he wanted a kick ass big arena rock song about not wanting to be held back by working a job. and. That's exactly what people, uh, they just glommed onto that. He knows how to appeal to the everyman. I I still hear this song all the time, and everybody just perks up, (laughs) hoists their drinks, and starts singing along. (laughs) I always enjoy asking him the question about, you know, so what's Every Rose as it's thrown about? Because, I mean, he has this story about this song really well rehearsed, about being in a hotel room. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's true. but Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's true either, but I really appreciate the effort. I like the fact that apparently after he was so depressed about his gal stepping out that he went to a laundromat with an acoustic guitar and wrote the song. (laughs) Yeah, where's the best place to drown my sorrows? Oh, yeah. (laughs) The laundromat. Jeez. (laughs) And I think probably my favorite memory, though, from this album was uh, back in high school when I went on some sort of a church youth group trip and uh, coming home late, like 11, 11 night and midnight, something like that. Uh, I was taking a pair of sisters home, Candy and Brandy Hayward. Candy and Brandy? <laughs> no, they, stop, it, stop, it, yes, stop. Candy, candy and Brandy. And Brandy. Yeah, stop it down. <laughs> stop it down. Stop it down. Candy and Brandy. <laughs> no, taking them home after a church trip. This, uh, this sounds yes, like this a poison song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just happen to live on the way home, about um, eight miles away. Yeah, you so we were sure it was on the way home. I'm sure, Dave. Oh well, they didn't know where I lived. <laughs> now, we're just cruising down the highway though in my '76 Mercury Marquee, about oh. the size of uh, Rhode Island, and uh, <laughs> it was so old. I didn't have a cassette player. I just had one of those. Uh, remember the adapters you had to use to put, uh, you know, throw in the eight track player. Oh sure, yeah. So I had one of those, and it sped everything up just a little bit. So. uh Brett Michaels ended up sounding like a horse Alvin from the chip. Oh, man. Hilarious. But we were just cruising down the highway, blasting Fallen Angel. I love this song. To me, it's like the the perfect poison song. It, it It's another story about young, innocent girl going to uh, L.A. to make it big. You know, and then being feasted upon by mm-hmm. the, the surly underbelly that is the uh, Sunset Strip. But I find it ironic that Poison would write this. Knowing full well, they'd be the one exploiting the... <laughs> They're the ones hanging out the rest <laughs> right, of right. Hey, right, the Right. Go with what you know. Go with what you know. 
I love what the Rolling Stone review had to say. It said, none of them stopped to consider with Walmart making such a fuss that open up and say, ah, might just be a harmless imposter. Unfortunately, that's what it is. An annoying parade of limp three-chord cliches and breathy harmonies, songs so formulaic that it's a challenge to distinguish one track from the next. Ultimately, open up and say, ah, is little more than a pay into the power of clever marketing, a nasty reminder that what can happen when swagger takes precedence over substance. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh my god that's that's brutal boom oh my god i was actually really surprised that the robert Criscow, who just i never thought he would do this gave huh. it a b plus wow I mean, if anybody knows chris Gow, he just it's, hates it's, stuff like this huh said that it just like it just went you know it went so far over the top that he had to acknowledge it like okay these guys took it to a place i didn't think we could even get to yeah, I think he said it was a residue of metal principle spoiled on the top 40 on their debut, but here they sell out like they know this stuff is only good when it's really shitty. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> oh, awesome. Geez. That is awesome. <laughs> it's like, I don't know how you made something this bad, but I'm tipping my hat to you because it's amazing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you can say what you want to about Metallica and Ozzy, but when it comes to Poison, if you can't appreciate Poison on some level... In the 80s, then you're just not really an 80s fan. I mean, you have to at least concede that it's a guilty pleasure, even if oh, you don't absolutely. like it on another level. But, geez, I mean, just yeah, get over yourselves. Speaking of guilty pleasures, you know what the uh, real secret to getting swagger over substance was in the 80s? Taking the right vitamins. Woohoo! Spearsy hits another transition. I've heard Those that. aren't vitamins, Spearsy. Those <laughs> aren't vitamins. <laughs> they're blue and they're, they're the size of small pills. I don't understand. Most of the time, the stuff that you're calling vitamin C doesn't come in little baggies. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, my God, 80s, how I miss you. Stuck in the 80s has a new sponsor, and the name of them is Care Of. Care Of is a monthly subscription vitamin service made from effective quality ingredients personally tailored to your exact needs. Personally, I never know what vitamins to take. I go to the store. I grab the, the bottle with a silver label now that I'm over 50. And I quaff them down. You know, but you don't need a Zoltar machine to figure out, you know, how to take vitamins anymore. I just went to the care of website and took a quick online quiz. It asked me about my diet, my health, my lifestyle choices. Awkward. And uh, just a few minutes, it delivered a personalized vitamin pack just for me. And then boom, a 30 day supply is shipped right to my door. And at prices that are 20% less than local drug and health food stores. And don't stress it. These recommendations are based on clinical research and traditional medicine with input from real doctors and real nutritionists. And because you're a listener to Stuck in the 80s, you get a special deal from Care Of. For 25% off your first month of personalized Care Of vitamins, go to careof.com and enter 80s. For 25% off your first month of personalized Care Of vitamins, visit takecareof.com and enter 80s. That's 25% off your first month of personalized vitamins. TakeCareOf.com into the number 80s. Taking your vitamins hasn't been this easy since your mom handed you the Flintstones chewable pill back in the 80s. You know what else is chewable and from the 80s? The 80s. Ah, the mystical refrain that is listener mailbag. Um, back in episode 466. 466? That's not possible, is it? 466? Yeah, yeah, four shows ago. Four shows? What the hell month is it? Cranking them out, man. We had a bonus show. <laughs> Dude. I need, some, 
wheel turns, the sausage comes out. I'm glad you guys did that bonus show. I did not realize that that place that does the cruises was here in town. It's like 10 minutes from my house. Oh, cool. oh nice. Stop by and tell them we know you. I like to stop by and get a damn job. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too. You um, need a video person? <laughs> I know everyone that works there. Let me know. So back in episode 466, apparently we, when we were young and not yet taking uh, care of ourselves, <laughs> we talked about sequels that we wish had been made. And we asked for listener input and suggestions. We got a few in the old uh, email. Brad, why don't you give us some uh, professional audio readings at this point? Okay. Well, I can't do you any help on the vitamins, but this I could do. So the first letter was from Lori Ann, who wrote, Hey, guys, I just wanted to drop a line. I love your show. I just discovered it about two months ago and absolutely love it. I grew up in the 80s, and the two movies I'd like sequels to are The Outsiders and An Officer and a Gentleman. Sincerely, Lori Ann, lover of all things 80s. Oh, I like those picks. Um, yeah, those could be really good. Officer and a Gentleman. I just rewatched that the other day. It's completely different when you're grown up as opposed to being dragged by your ear by your mom to see it when you're like 13. <laughs> Ah, uh, boy. Louis Gossett Jr. Mm. But what happened to all those kids in The Outsiders? Yeah. I'd like to see that. They have a very fine job these days, um, professionally critiquing entertainment podcasts. So I just like to say I wish them the best. <laughs> Godspeed. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, hope you enjoy that fruit basket we sent yes. over. And those uh, care of vitamins. Those yes. aren't Just wink, wink. Those aren't vitamins. We got one more here from Dave Agiagas who gave us a full treatment. This is great. So he writes, okay, as for the sequels that should be done, since you all know, as I remind you all the time, I am a metalhead. I want a Spinal Tap sequel. Let us follow David, Nigel, and Derek as they reunite after years apart. Each of them had been playing in offshoot bands with little to no success. Playing fire department carnivals, dive clubs, etc. has left all of them poor and wanting more. So desperate that, yes, they have to do things like sell instruments for commission at Guitar Center. Oh, God, that's hell. Or do infomercials for amps that go to 11. Even though the band could no longer stand each other, they know that the money now lies in the generation of their old fans who now have disposable income thanks to the kids leaving the nest and career successes. Watch as they finagle their way into being performers on the 2020 80s cruise. <laughs> Ready to rock out with huge stage theatrics and every prop possible, including the 18-inch megalith. Unfortunately, they're forced to play on the pool stage in their heavy stage outfits under the 90-degree sun and high winds. Watch what happens when their dreams and expectations turn into a humbling experience. But an ultimate triumph as they look past the costumes in the audience and connect about the experience and performance. How will it turn out? How do they perform? What happens going forward? Who knows? All we know is we are spreading the cruise ship love while we prepare to smell the final uh, glove in Spinal Trap, breaking new wind on the high seas. Oh, my God. That's genius. I like it. I like it. I'm, I'm pitching that one tomorrow. I'm going to drive over to Warner Brothers. <laughs> Wouldn't they be great on the 80s cruise, by the way? I mean, oh, I wow. have seen them perform live, the three of them. They did uh they did yeah. a tour that's probably been ten years now where they came around and they they played all the songs from Spinal Tap and then they played songs from uh Mighty Wind and uh stuff like that. Oh nice. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah. And we interviewed uh Michael McKean huh. before uh beforehand and he was about the nicest guy in the world. And so yeah, that would that's a fantastic yeah. idea. It's a great idea for a sequel and it's a great yeah. idea for them to play the cruise. I'm just saying. 
I'll tell you what, uh, Harry Shearer actually just put out a uh, solo album as Derek Smalls a few months ago. Wow. Oh, really? So I'm sure he'd be all about it. Yeah, it was called Smalls Change. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> you know how I like a pun in the title. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, parenthetically, it was called Meditations Upon Aging. Wow. Mm. <laughs> as always, we love your letters. Send them to podcast at sit80s.com. What's happening, hot stuff? Uh, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for Mystery Movie Moment. Uh, we'll play a snippet of a movie from the 80s, and if you can get it right, you're entered into the drawing for a free, free, what shall it be? Oh, let's just say bottle opener. Because <laughs> that's what they are. <laughs> Dave, did we ever get a bottle opener? Dave, did we ever send you one? No, did we, sir. Did we no. say? I have no swag what? whatsoever. That's a real, that's a real shame. <laughs> yeah. That's if only, a damn if shame. If only you knew somebody that had a box of them in their desk at work and sent him like, I don't know, 10 bucks or something. <laughs> you act like I got 10 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, you got a microphone. Yeah. Oh, well, this is true. I'll yeah. trade it in. Uh, we'll, we'll pull together a box and send you some stuff. <laughs> but in the meantime, pay attention. Here's the clip from episode 466. How am I supposed to get ahead in the family? Huh? The same way you always have. Lie, cheat, steal, kill. Yes, that's Married to the Mob. I'm supposed to be getting a poster from Married to the Mob from the general. Oh, Doug yeah, that's right. I he was that. giving away... Learn out his collection. Yeah, and I asked for casual sex and married to the mob. Don't you ask everybody you meet for casual sex, Steve? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it, it's funny because just the hot ones, Brad. Just the hot ones. It, it's no, it's just actually us? That, that whole part of my life, by the way, is like <laughs> it's completely on ice. I'm a member of one online dating service now. I think it's um okay, okay Cupid. And like every few days or so, I get a message saying, somebody likes you in OkCupid, you know, log in and see who it is. I'm like, eh, I don't really want to do that. I can't really be bothered. I don't, I don't want to <laughs> date it right now. I just, I don't want to, I'm so over. Like, I, I know the early days of this podcast were filled with the frivolity of all my dating follies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I just can't do it right now. I'm just like, ah. You know, I, I have I'm, zero confidence. I'm just going to have to send you a, a monk robe now for you to wear. <laughs> yeah. He's a eunuch. <laughs> <laughs> well, so anyway, enough about you. Let's talk about this movie. I don't think I've seen this since I saw it in the theater, but it had I remember really liking it and I'm kind of afraid to watch it again cuz I'm afraid it won't hold up. Um, you know, I I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it has a sort of universal appeal. There's no there's nothing that grounds it in the 80s per se. Yeah. It just has a sense of humor that at the time caught me off guard because I didn't quite catch it onto it. And it only I don't was think within, it was a big hit. Yeah. No, it wasn't. But people, most people like it. So, but not many people got it right. So maybe that's a well, sign. Yeah. It's, it's anyway. maybe a little, not, not as popular in the zeitgeist as you might think. Yeah. So read some winners. Winners this week include, well, no, wait, let's be serious. Winners this week are Dave Augie August, <laughs> Stigmatron, Canuck in Colorado, Christine in Philly, Eric 16 Bit Barube, and DJ and Clinton. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. Let me guess. Sometimes you don't pay for your lunch. Or maybe you steal the occasional candy bar or newspaper. You're a closet rebel. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com and tune in next week to find out if you're a winner.
Ah, uh, the refreshing, um, bittersweet melody of Name That 80s Tune. God, I can't believe I actually just made that up on the fly and didn't say the same shit say every other episode. <laughs> it makes it hard for me to lip sync along when you change the script, but yes. I can imagine you actually if doing you that. Know it, email us at, at podcast at s1980s.com. You can wake and up tune in next that. week to find out if you're a winner. At least they don't say wiener anymore. Wiener. Wiener. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you know the routine here. We'll play a piece of an 80s song. You get it right. We say mucho bueno and we send you nothing. Nothing. Uh, pay attention. Here's the clip from episode 466. Aha, it's nothing but a good time by some band named Poison. Never heard of You did there. So I picked this. I picked this a long time before I had any idea that his dirtness was going to be joining us today for this excellent show. His dirtness, I like that. <laughs> I heard the royal dirtness. Hey, hey, dirtness. By the way, I I saw that you shaved your beard. I did. In fact, I figured it was about damn time for my nieces and nephew to see me without one because I've never known an <laughs> Uncle Dave without a there was, facial there was hair. No other, uh, <laughs> you know. It pissed to do that? You just kind of figured you're done with facial hair? Honestly, I just kind of, uh, I, I don't care about looking older. I know that I'm looking older, but um, just kind of, if I'm trying to get another job, there's a the certain thing I'm trying to get into. They're really more all about the younger looking people so and the younger people in general. So I was just trying to get a little foothold in there and try to yeah. at least oh, look okay. a little cool. bit younger. Yeah, sure. it shocked me. I, I think it worked. I saw it. I was like, I think it worked. Yeah. I'm like, like, I'll let you know if I get a job. Dave Dirt's little brother. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Brad, read some of the winners. Okay, well, let me start here by saying everybody who got Mystery Movie Moment, whose name I just read, also got this. So props to you, the Fantastic Six, whatever it is. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, the six of you who got the Mystery Movie Moment, smart people. Anyway, also Joseph Perdue, Tom Corn in Austria, Amy in Naperville, Alan Titus, Heather from Tennessee, Rhoda Collins, Nate Chops Johnson, Peter Ryan, Andrea Crava, not Andrea Crava, Andrea Crava, <laughs> Eric in Seattle, Buckeye Girl, Jesse El Gato Grande Smith, Firefighter Mark, Fetch in Evansville, Sean Fitzgerald, Metalhead Ed, and Jay Frame CPA in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Time to spin that wheel and find out uh, who's a bottle opener. Ready? I'm feeling good, Steve. Tell me when. Do it. <laughs> We've moved into the theater of the completely absurd. It's the one thing. It's the one thing that you do every week that I really, really, for some reason, makes me laugh every time. I'm glad I can. I'm glad I can provide a little levity seems in your so otherwise. So ridiculously real battle. that it sounds like you're actually spinning a heavy. Uh, and it's coming to a stop. And the new bottle opener owner shall be named. Hey, it's Eric, 16-bit Barube. 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 We're going to say Barube. That's, that's the way I've been pronouncing it, and he hasn't corrected us, so either he doesn't care or we're right. <laughs> yeah. Or he's very he's polite. Very Barube. Tell, or, or maybe, It yeah. could be Barube. Barube or Barube. Or, or Barube. Yeah. Might not even be Eric. It could be... Uh, no, it's probably Eric. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe he's only eight bits and he's just pretending online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, pay attention. Here's this week's uh, mystery song. If you <laughs> guess, uh, if you know it, email us at podcast.sitds.com and tune in next week to find out if you are a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. All over America, the word is on the street. The boss is back. It's Mustang GT with a 5-liter high-output engine. Performance suspension and options like a T-roof and Recaro seats. So whether your street is Sunset or Woodward Avenue or Route 66 through Amarillo, the word is out. It's Mustang GT. The boss is back. And we're back. We have just a few minutes left. I thought, hey, let's renew an old tradition called, uh, what's your 80s obsession? Dave Dirt, what is your 80s obsession these days? Well, much like Jen with one in, I have to uh, do a couple. I got to slide a couple in here. First of all, oh, man, I'll tell you what, what kind of precedent has been set here? <laughs> Jen and I have so much in common. It's not even funny. We're the, we're the same age. She, I graduated the same year I did. And I'm just finding more and more stuff that we have in common. But uh, so I'm going to throw you guys a little curveball here because uh, me being the big metal head I am last night, I went to go see the beacon of metal, Anita Baker. Holy cow. This was what? Anita Baker that came out of retirement and is doing a farewell tour. And I have wanted to see Anita Baker for 30 years now. Even when I was in the throes of Metallica, Anthrax, Ozzy, I always loved Anita Baker. Uh-huh. And so we went last night and man, did she put on an amazing show. She came out and started out with a little Lady Marmalade and then just went into the, just pretty much everything from her uh, Rapture album. And uh, the third song she did, her biggest hit, Sweet Love. And uh, right there is where it got really mm-hmm. interesting because as soon as they started playing, the audience started singing and singing so loud that she just stopped and she just let the, let the audience and sing. And they sang the entire <laughs> song. Wow. And she was just so overcome with emotion. I've seen her do this in a couple other things recently. And she'll usually start in yeah. during the second verse and let it go with that. But they sang the entire song and she just was teared up and she said, okay, that was amazing. You guys had your, your time and I am so glad you did. So let's do it again. And she sang, sang it for him. And uh, I, this girl is 60 years old. And I tell you what, I would put her up against Christina Aguilera, Kelly Clarkson, anybody. And she would wipe the floor with them. Her voice is so strong. Nice. That's awesome. So, yeah, it was a great show. And likewise, I was at a, a concert on Friday that involved a lot of singing alongs. Uh, I went to see, I, I left the sanctity of the, and the isolation of the Spears lair. I, I can't hardly believe this. <laughs> It really is rare. Of all the shticks that I have, that's the one that's really not a shtick at all. <laughs> but I saw the Violent Femmes and Echo and the Bunnymen in Orlando at the, the House of Blues. And they, these are two bands that have been on my bucket list forever. And they rarely tour all that much. And then they, when they do, they never come to Florida. So, And it was a Friday night, so I really was out of excuses. So I went, and the Violent Femmes just... That I, in a way, I almost looked more forward to them, and they didn't disappoint. But every time they they launched into one of their epic songs from their first album, like "Add It Up," 
I mean, the whole crowd just roaring along with every line. Just, yeah. it was, I mean, it must have been fantastic to be on stage and hear that many people just mm-hmm. screaming your, these songs back to you. So that was, they were pretty amazing. And then Echo and the Bunnymen got up there and um, they ripped into, they started off with three hits in a row. Um, uh, Lips Like Sugar, Bring on the Dancing Horses, and Rescue. And at that point, I had already looked ahead on the set list, and I knew that what was coming up next was like a series, like a, a really long series of new music. And I had been on my oh, feet yeah. at, at Disney Springs, which is where House of Blues is. I had been on my feet there for like, at that point, nine hours. Wow. And I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't anymore. I'm like, 51-year-old Spearsy needs to go home. <laughs> and so I left three songs into it. I was like, I staggered out of there like a drunk, even though I didn't have an ounce of alcohol in my system because I couldn't, I, my legs were just like too like muscle bound, you know, you're, you're wobbly. Yeah. I was just like, I was, I was waiting for someone to say, Hey fellow, you think you should be driving? <laughs> Cause I was, I was still looking forward to, you know, <laughs> you're not my mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me use the breathalyzer. Boop, boop, 0.00. But, um, but no, just amazing concert. If you get a chance to catch them this summer, please do. Hopefully it's not a standing room only general admission kind of situation like it was for me. Definitely an amazing night. Brad, what's your 80s obsession? Okay, so we posted something about this on the Facebook page earlier this week, but I have been thinking a lot about the auction that is just announced of the 250 GT California from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, yeah. Now, exactly. Now, it isn't actually a Ferrari. It was made by a company. It's being auctioned as a 1985 Modena GT Spider California because this company Modena made uh, the replicas for the original movie. And the reason Modena is not in business anymore is because Ferrari basically put them out of business for putting the Ferrari badges on those cars. Oh, wow. But uh, yeah, so but it's, you know, the thing is, the car is just Oh my gosh, they're so beautiful. I mean, I know not everyone's into cars. I love cars. And this car is just, it's amazing. And the, you know, the real ones, I think the last real one that sold went for four or five million dollars. Pocket change. So like, yeah. So like a car like that, exactly. A car like that, you are just going to rub it with a diaper. Like if you're going <laughs> to own one of these, I mean, let's imagine a world where I won the lottery this week and I'm going up to the auction to buy this thing, which I would do. I would drive the hell out of it. I would drive it everywhere. It would go to the grocery store. It would go, you know, it would go everywhere. I would take it everywhere because it's it's not a $5 million car. It's probably several hundred thousand, but, you know, I mean, it's a scope and scale. Anyway, I just, I can't stop thinking about this car and uh, an amazing piece of machinery. Would you say it is choice? <laughs> I would say if you have the means, I highly recommend <laughs> picking one up. Yes, if you have the means, I highly recommend picking one well, up. Hey, that's all we have this week. Uh, thanks to Dave Dirt for coming out of hibernation and rejoining us for another round of appreciation for the metal music from the 80s. My pleasure. Yeah, we'll see you again in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> and until then, we remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app. Don't Listen to a few minutes of Black...
Listen to a few bars of Black and Tear and tell me I'm not wrong. Listen to a few measures of Black and Tear and tell me I'm not right. Listen to Steve try to explain this one more time and tell me. 